you for joining us at Bangalore Revival Center. We are a church that's dreaming revival with God and serving people in love. It is our desire to equip you to represent Jesus and carry his great joy to the ends of the earth. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit dreamingrevival.com. Now, as you listen to the word, we believe that God will minister to you. This morning, I want to teach you about the heart behind our giving. Before we go into the specific types of giving in the upcoming Sundays, I'd like to teach you about what is giving supposed to be? What kind, what is, what is God's perspective behind our giving? How does God see our giving? Any answers? How does God see our giving us? What do you think? What is our giving technically? Our giving is worship. That is what it is. So after this word, we're going to go into, you know, giving. We're going to give our offerings and our tithes and everything. But why? Why? Because that is also part of the worship. That is also equally a part of our, our giving to God as much as our singing and our dancing and our praising and all of that is. But as we give, there are certain things that we need to keep in mind. And that's the things that we're going to study today and we're going to reiterate this over the next as many weeks as we'll take to to study this particular topic okay whatever we're going to learn today you're going to keep going back to it you know in the next few weeks let's go to first kings chapter 21 and verse 1 onwards let's read it out together now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel Beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. There was a king in the land. What is his name? Ahab, right? And be, beside his house, beside his palace, there was a man who had his own vineyard. He owned it. He had it. He, he received it as an inheritance. He, he owned this vineyard. Then what did the king do? Verse 2. One day Ahab said to Naboth, Since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace I would like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden and I will give you a, a better vineyard in exchange or if you prefer I will even pay you for it three options he gave him he said one um, I will I will give you a better garden in exchange no if that is not possible I will give you you know it's equivalent in money I will pay you for it two options that Ahab gave to Naboth saying give me this vineyard why because this vineyard is very close to my house it's convenient for me and uh, you know Naboth is now in a fits because if the king pays you the king will pay you really well right is a king right it's, it's he's a if you get into the good books of the king you can ask the king for favors at a later time you can get back the same amount and more from the king at a later time. So ideally, this was a good business deal. Am I right? Come on, talk to me. Is this a good business deal? Absolutely. This is a, this is a really good business deal. But Naboth decided, no, I'm not going to do that. What was the reason? Verse 3. But Naboth replied, 
saying the Lord forbid that I would give you the inheritance that was passed down by my fathers, by my ancestors. I'm not going to give you that for that one reason, not because of its value, but because it is my inheritance. It is not just money for me, but this is my inheritance. This is my right. My fathers handed me this and I cannot trade what my father gave me for a piece of another vineyard or for, for, for money or for anything else. I'm not going to trade my inheritance. You all know the story of Esau who traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. And, and here is Naboth saying, I'm not going to do that. I, I know what belongs to me. This is what belongs to me. So even if you offer me the whole world, I know you're the king. I know you're powerful. I know you can reward me aptly, but I don't want your reward. What happens as a result of it? The next verse. So Ahab went home and he became angry. He was, he, his, the Bible says, his, and, and, and he was face was sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and he refused to eat. Now you know it's a bad decision to invest into Ahab. Because here is a man who is pushing and manipulating Naboth to give to him. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to pay you for it. And I'm going to make you this and make you that. And I'm going to give you another vineyard. And I'm going to give you all these things. And he's pressurizing Naboth to give. And when his wife saw this, verse 5, uh, it says, his, ask, his wife Jezebel asked him, what's the matter? What's made you so upset that you're not even eating? His reply, I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused. And this was, this, this was his challenge that how could a man who is under my rulership, he is a citizen of my country, he, I, I technically have all rights to speak to him and do whatever and he has to obey me, right? How can I say something to him and he doesn't give it to me? That was his problem and that made him so angry and upset. Let me tell you this. I have personally seen this kind of pastors in the church. And I have seen them all over. When they, they will go to any extent to try and manipulate people into giving to try and hurt and, 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 and coach and, and tell them what they will get in return of it and, and tell them what, they will, uh, what is the better thing that they will get in return. All of that they will try to do just to, to get it out of them and say, hey, just give it to me, just give it to me and just give it to me. And what was happening? That was a wrong spirit that was working behind Ahab. The next verse, it says, are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel asked him. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it because I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. And we all know the story, right? What does the story go on to say? Next verse says, so she wrote letters in Ahab's name. So uh, seal them with his seal and send them to the elders and the leaders of the town where Naboth lived. The next verse, in her letter, she commanded, call all the citizens together for a time of fasting and give Naboth a place of honor. The next verse, it says, and then see two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king and then take him out and stone him to death. They planned to kill Naboth to get him 
to get his property. Who planned this? Jezebel planned this. Ahab was in partnership with Jezebel. Ahab was somebody who was after money, but Jezebel was after power. He, she knew how to control men. She knew how to get them to dance on her fingers. And, 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 and the Bible says she wrote these letters which made sure that this property will finally end up with King Ahab. They, they, they accused this guy really bad. They accused him of rebellion. And finally, the, the property came back to the hands of Ahab. The next verse, it says, so the elders and town leaders, they followed the instructions that Jezebel had written in the letters, exactly as it is they followed. And after this happened, King Ahab, verse 16 says, he immediately went down to the vineyard of Naboth and he claimed it. Now tell me about this. What lessons do you learn from this story? What lessons about giving do you learn from this story? What is it that God is trying to teach us from this story of, of giving? There is a giver and there is a receiver, right? There is a, a guy who, ha, who is supposed to give and there is a guy who is, who is asking him to give, who is saying, hey, you need to give towards this purpose. I have something in mind and, you know, and I want to do it. Now, what do you see about giving to Ahab? Why was it wrong to give to Ahab? Tell me that in the first place. Why was it wrong to give to Ahab? Any, any guesses? Sorry? He didn't have a purpose for it. He wanted to turn a vineyard, you know, into a vegetable garden. A vineyard, you know. He wanted to turn a vineyard into the vegetable garden. And you know, Jesus said this to the, uh, to the priests and the Sadducees in the New Testament. He said, you guys have turned my father's house into a, a den of thieves. This was supposed to be a vineyard where, you know, there will be grapes, where there will be fruit. And you have turned, into, turned it into a vegetable garden. That's, the church is not supposed to be a vegetable garden. The church is supposed to be a, a vineyard. This guy had no intention of using this place or this property for the right reason. He wanted to use it for his own convenience, for his own lavishness, for his own enjoyment, his own pleasure. This was a man who wanted to take from you know, his people and, and use it on something that didn't really truly glorify God. Am I right? Come on, any other answers? What else do you think? Why else was it wrong for, why else do you think Naboth didn't give it to, you know, Ahab? It was his ancestral land. He, he said, hey, this is, this is my inheritance. I cannot give my inheritance because this has to generationally belong to my family, to me. I cannot sell it for a, a piece of money. Amazing. Yes. What else? Come on. Anything else? See, Naboth had witnessed the kind of man and woman that Ahab and Jezebel were. Naboth knew for a fact that if you take Panga with these guys, you will land without your head. You will lose your head in a few days. He knew it a hundred percent. Why did he still, you know, choose to lose his life in order to keep his land? Because he eventually lost his land. Why did he, why did he lose his life? Why, what was that one thing that they're like, 
hey, I'm, I'm not going to give to this guy. No matter how much money he gives me, no matter how much promises he makes toward me, I'm not going to give to this guy. Because he knew that there is absolutely no way that giving to Ahab is going to glorify God. He, he saw that this is, this, is, this is not the right kind of giving. I don't mind giving, but this is not the right kind of giving. I want to take your attention to another story in the Bible. How many of you know about the story of David and Aruna? You know the story of this? Go to the next slide. Do you know the story? Yes, no, maybe, maybe not. Okay, I'll tell you the story for those of you who don't know. We'll go back into that story later. That's why I'm not sharing that story. David went to the threshing floor of Aruna and, and, and he told him, I want this threshing floor. How much does it cost? And this guy said, nothing. Take it free of cost. Absolutely, no problem. But David said, no, this is so that I can offer it as a, uh, as a naroma, as a pleasing sacrifice to God. So you have to tell me a price. You have to tell me a cost. I'm not going to take this free of cost. Now, if Naboth would have done that to Ahab, do you think Ahab would have happily taken it? Yes. Ahab would have been like, wow, this is the will of God for you. May the Lord bless you. And he would have grabbed it. But David said, no, no, no. I'm not taking this for myself. I am taking this for God and because I'm taking this for God I'm not going to take it free of cost I'm going to pay a price for this and David paid a price for it and guess what happened he he offered worship in that place and at a later time his son Solomon built the temple in the same place the temple that was built was built in that same place that they purchased from Aruna and here are two kings who wanted to receive something from their people and what happened one got rejected and one received it. Why? One had the intention of bringing pleasure to himself. One had the intention of manipulating and cheating and lying and killing and accusing and doing whatever it takes to get this. The other had said, hey, I'm not going to force you and I'm going to, in, in fact, pay you for this. I'm going to make sure that you are accurately rewarded for what you give me and, and this is not even for me I don't it's not for my pleasure this is so that I can build an offering build an altar for God that is why I am taking in taking it in the first place does it make sense do you see the difference between the two I'll come back to this now that we spoke about the receiver let's talk about the giver are you ready okay let's jump into the story Acts chapter 5 okay let's read it out but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira they sold some property verse 2 he brought part of the money to the apostles and what did he do he claimed that it was the full amount and with his wife's consent he kept the rest okay verse 3 then Peter said Ananias why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Two accusations were made against Ananias. One, that he lied to the Holy Spirit. And second, that he kept some of the money for himself. Right? Verse 4. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling, the money was yours to give uh, away how could you do a thing like this you weren't lying to us but you were lying to God now 
you know the story what happened in verse 5 give me verse 5 get dramatic bible says as soon as ananias heard these words he fell to the floor and he died and everybody that heard this were terrified check this out how can you die out of giving to god can the wrong way can can we die just because you know even ahab died by the way you know what was the judgment for ahab you know when the prophet came and pronounced the judgment against ahab the prophet said hey the same thing that happened to naboth will happen to you it was not for the idol worship that he got he got judged for receiving in the wrong way so receiving in the wrong way is absolutely bad now here is a guy who is giving in the wrong way are you understanding what i'm saying here is a guy who is giving with the wrong intention what is he saying he the bible says he was claiming that this was a huge amount he was claiming that this is something that he got out of selling a property in other words he was looking for acceptance by the apostles he was looking for you know celebration he was looking for praise and in that pursuit of doing that he ended up lying to the apostles and the apostles said guys i you know wasn't the wasn't wasn't this property yours did i ask for your property did i ask for your money but why do you have to come and lie to me now technically these guys gave 50 percent let's say that they gave 50 percent man 50 percent income is huge man you know it's technically not a small amount that these guys and and see this is not even like you know one tenth of a month's salary or you know 10 50 percent of a month's salary this is 50 percent of a property sale can you imagine this 50 percent of a property sale would ideally be a big amount the bible says even after they gave that 50 percent they lost their life because they gave it in the wrong way they and this is the new testament we are talking about okay even in the old testament you would find people giving in the wrong manner people worshiping in the in the wrong fashion and they ended up dying you know the two sons of aaron who offered strange fire to god the bible says immediately fire came down from heaven and and both of them died there is a kind of worship that is displeasing to god and these guys were offering ananias and sapphira was offering a a fake worship to god a worship that tells god that hey god you know look at how much we are giving look at what we are giving to you look at how much we are offering and 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 in return i hope that you know my pastor praises me in return i hope that my apostles they celebrate me in return i hope to be in the same in the league of all the other people who have given who have sold their properties and who have who are in the in the, in the church committee or the church board that was the story of ananias and sapphira and the Bible says God judged them for it. Can I compare Ananias' life with somebody else's? I'm going to go back to that story later. That's why I'm not going to go into the story in detail. How many of you know about Zacchaeus? You know the story of Zacchaeus? How much did Zacchaeus give? Anybody? Sorry? 10%? 10 times? All? 40%? Who said 40%? Okay. Go back and read your Bible better. He also gave only 50%. 50%. His, the Bible says half of his wealth he gave to the poor. Half of his wealth. He didn't give the whole. 
Okay, usually all the disciples that normally followed Jesus, they gave up everything. You know, Peter said this, right? Lord, we have given up everything, our house, our fishing, everything. We've given up everything to follow you. There was a rich young ruler who came and asked Jesus, what can I do to become your disciple? Jesus said, hey, go and sell everything and follow me. And here is a Zacchaeus who gives only 50%. And Jesus says, man, today salvation has come to this house. So in other words, it was not so much about the amount. It was the heart behind giving that amount that God had a problem with. Are you getting what I'm saying today? God is not saying, hey, your amount is too less or your amount is not apt. What God is saying to Ananias and Sapphira is, the problem is not with the hands that you're giving the money with, it's the heart that you're using to give the money with. I don't care if you give a hundred million with the wrong attitude. I don't care if you give, you know, so much properties and lives and whatever but if your heart is not in the right place if you're doing it for the wrong reason if you're doing it to get attention or if you're doing it for the wrong purpose then that's not really worship and and the same goes for the ones that receive if you're receiving money in any format in any way if you're receiving favors from any way but you're manipulating them to give you know you're you're coaxing them to give, you're accusing them and you're, you know, trying to drain it out of them. Man, you're in trouble. You may be a pastor, you may be a leader, you may be a, you know, whoever it may be that you are. But if you're coaxing somebody to get money out of them, then you are the same as Ahab was. And that's the place that we need to fix our heart before we go into understanding the different types of giving. Because I can go on and on and on about how we should, all the, all the different types of givings that the Bible talks about and how we need to. But if our heart is not in the right place, guys, we will end up sacrificing our life on the altar on this thing. That's why let's first purify our heart before we give. That's why Jesus said, hey, if you are at the altar and you have a, you brought a sacrifice, leave the sacrifice there. Go and get reconciled with whoever is it that you have a problem with and and then come back to offer that offering. Because your offering is not valid when your heart is not in the right place. God told Cain, 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 my problem is with you and then your offering. If, If you were walking right, then your offering would be pleasing to me. If you, your heart is in the right thing, if your heart is after me, then your offering will be pleasing to me. But Abel, God said, hey, because your heart is in the right place, because you love me, I love your offering also. Amen? Let's go into a couple of scriptures and let's try to understand what is the Bible saying about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. The Bible says, you must eat when you come to church or before you come to church or before you decide, before you give. The Bible says, you must each decide in your heart. Loudly, everybody say heart. Heart. How much to give. So the first thing that God says is that when we want to give, we must decide in our hearts how much we need to give. Decide in our? Not in our? You know, how our heads function right our heads function like this you know i have so much money i'll give so much here and then i have so much left for this and then you know we calculate with our heads but the bible says no 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 don't use your head in this place use your 
heart in this place and you decide with your heart what was Ananias and Sapphira's problem they did not decide with their heart they decided with their ego and their prestige they're saying everybody in the church is giving how can we not give and how can we give less than what everybody else is giving and and how can we not make this you know a, a big deal and and see you should understand that you know back then now you know it's a different thing now everything is secret right nobody knows the offering that we are putting into the into the offering bag that's not how it was supposed to be and that's never how it happened back then everybody knew how everybody else is giving that's why Jesus knew that the widow put two copper coins everybody knew and, and Ananias and Sapphira wanted to impress the whole church by their giving they wanted to say hey man you have no idea how much we gave we sold an entire property to be able to give this bring this offering to church and and that was that was the problem the problem was that they were calculating things in their head and they're saying hey we 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 want to be you know found acceptable to these guys but the bible says no don't use your head don't use your calculation use your heart each of you i'm not going to tell you how much to give Nobody is going to come and convince you to give 10, 20, 30 person, whatever it be. There is a principle of tithing that I'm going to teach you in detail in the coming weeks. But otherwise, your general offering, nobody needs to tell you how much to give. You must decide in your heart. So, so, so don't decide after coming to church and then you see, man, there is, uh, I, I, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, what do you say? You know, I, I, don't, I think that the church needs more money, so I'll put more. No, no, no. You decide in your heart, you know, with your heart. On Sunday morning when you wake up, you decide in your heart. So can you make a decision before you come? before you are in church can you make a decision hey this is how much i will give so read it out with me you must each come on loudly one two three go you must each decide in your loudly in your come on loudly in your so loudly once again you must each decide in your heart how much to give amen Come on, let's go to the next part, okay, of the same verse. It says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Never, never give because there is pressure upon you. Especially when you feel that somebody is pressurizing you to give. Man, run from that. That's what Naboth did. We studied about Naboth this morning. That's what Naboth did. Naboth said, man, when I... I, I'm reluctant to give to you in the first place and second you're putting pressure on me that's for sure a, a goodbye to you I am not going to give to somebody who is going to put pressure on me to give amen that is why at any point if you feel that you know we're going to teach you we're going to teach you about giving but we are never going to put pressure on anybody in this church to give a certain amount or not to whatever we are not going to come and tell you we will teach you what is biblical principles you know what the bible says about giving and, and tithing and all of those things but we will not put pressure on you in other words when you come to church it could be this church it could be another church it could be anywhere in the world if you go to a place and you feel pressured to give you feel that oh man if i don't give this will be embarrassing if i don't give what will he think about me if i don't no if that happens immediately refrain from giving that's what the bible says i'm just teaching you what the bible says it says if you are reluctant to give 
then don't give. It's okay to not give and live than to give and to die. Come on, church. You know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. What happened to them? Reluctantly and out of pressure, they gave and they ended up in a coffin. And that's something that we have to avoid this morning and with our lives and with our money. The Bible says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So if, if at any point you feel the pressure. So in other words, let me also add, add this to you, okay? That let's say that nobody's putting pressure on you, but in your heart, you're not yet ready to give. In your heart, you're not yet ready to sacrifice. It's okay, hold your offering for some time. Go back, let your heart become excited about your giving before you give. Your heart become, I'm not saying that you will have more than enough money before you give. No, it doesn't have to happen like that. But your heart has to be thrilled at the perspective of being able to give to God. You cannot give by saying, man, I'm losing money. No, you have to give by saying, man, I am able to give so much. I know I don't have money to take care of these expenses of mine, but I'm, I'm so glad that there was a fixed deposit somewhere that I could break and give my tithe for this month. I'm so glad that God gave me the seed. The Bible says he gives the seed only to the sower, not to everybody, right? So if you are going through something and you're like, I don't have enough money, then you ask God. Ask God to give you the seed, not to eat, but to sow, but to invest. And whatever you sow it, you will reap in the right time. That's the second thing. That's the second thing that we learn in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. The third thing that God says is, and those who give, the Bible says they should give with joy. Okay, it says, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. In other words, your giving has to be an expression of your joy. If your giving is not an expression of your joy, if your giving is not actually an expression of your love for God, if your giving is not an expression of, of your worship towards God, then that giving is not complete. Then that giving is not, you know, right. This morning I'm actually discouraging you from giving, you know, giving the wrong way. Because it's, if your giving has to work, if your giving has to bless you, if your giving has to bless the heart of God, then your giving has to be in the, with the right heart. Otherwise, it's only going to cause us to be judged. You know, the, the, the fact that when we take the communion, you know, the, you know what is the Bible say about communion? The Bible says that if you take the communion, if you take the bread and the wine, without honoring the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? Come on. Who is the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ. So if I take part of the communion and I'm looking down on the body of Christ, which is the church, then that communion will judge me. The Bible says that is why some people fall sick. That is why some, not because my relationship with God is off, but because I am living in rebellion with the body of Christ. I am, I'm going against the body of Christ and I'm hoping that this communion will bless me. No, if you're in that state, it's okay to not take the communion. But don't take communion with that heart. If that, that the same way, the same thing applies for your giving in your money. When you give money and you give it with the wrong heart and you give it like Ananias and Sapphira did reluctantly and out of pressure, without joy, without any worship, without any love for God, man, that giving will cause you trouble. Don't give like that.
the next verse the bible says in matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 he says don't store up treasures here on earth on here on this world okay like i told you i'm gonna go hard okay i'm, I'm only adding fire to it okay it says don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat moths eat them and rust destroys them where thieves break in and steal he's actually giving us an instruction and he's saying hey don't invest too much into the world into this life into this world instead invest into a place where you know the bank will not take your money away you know that's what's happening right now banks are you know going bankrupt companies are going bankrupt all these crazy stuff is happening and the bible says don't invest in a place where you have a probability of loss and and see I use my words wrongly. It's not talking about investing. It's talking about storing up. That's saving. Investing is different from storing, right? Saving, the Bible says, don't save up. Don't store up treasures in a place where it can be stolen from you. Instead, verse 20, it says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So this is something that you need to do actively on a monthly basis you know we we get our incomes on a monthly basis right take a app that you will use to you know chart your expenses and add your tithing your giving your uh, you know all that you have done to invest into your eternity okay put that aside and then put the other category make two major categories heaven and earth okay and if you have spent 49 rupees on heaven and 51 rupees on earth then we are technically disobeying Jesus see I'm, I'm, what am I talking about I'm, I'm saying even when you you know do spend money on yourself can you do it with eternity in perspective can you do it with saying hey this is going to prepare me for heaven this is going to prepare me for eternity this is going to prepare me for life after I have left this world and this is why Jesus said you should do this. Verse 21, he said, Hey, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So, so why is Jesus asking us to give? Jesus is saying you need to make this realignment with your treasures because wherever you store up your treasures, there your heart will be constantly connected to. So your giving is a way is a means for you to realign your heart realign the desires of your heart realign see you know the people that you really love you give a lot of gifts to right you you invest money on them you don't feel sad or sorry about spending money on them and god is saying that is why you need to store up your treasures in heaven why because i want your heart to be connected to heaven i want your heart to reflect the things of heaven i want your heart to be connected to eternity so store your treasures on, in, on not on earth but on but in heaven because our giving it has the capacity to realign everybody say realign our giving has the capacity to, to change the direction of our love. Our giving has the capacity. You know, if you're, if you're going through a dry season where, you, where you're not feeling, 
you know, emotions, where you're not feeling love for God, where you're not feeling desire to pray, I'll tell you what to do. Take the biggest offering you can and give it to God. Because according to this verse, your, your, your heart will automatically get realigned to where you invest your money into, to where you store up your money into. Amen? Now that's why we give. We give so that our desires can be in the right place. Because walking through life, walking through the world, you know, when we start off, our heart is very pure and, you know, we know we only want Jesus and everything. But as we go through life, we want so many other things. Come on, talk to me. People who have seen and gone through a little bit of life, talk to me. Am I right in saying this? That as we go through life, when you become a Christian, when you first fall in love with Jesus, all you want in the world is Jesus. You don't care. You say, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. But then as you go through life, I, want, I, I, don't, I don't want to forsake Jesus, but with Jesus, I want this other things also. I want all these other blessings and I want all and, and that is why it's, it's necessary for us to constantly live a lifestyle where we are giving to God and where, where our heart is constantly you know being you know disconnected from the things of this earth and, and reconnected and, and realigned and, and fixed back on the things of God uh, am I talking to your heart today? Okay, the next verse, the Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Okay, now this is going to shock some of you. Are you ready for this? It says, and I have been, Apostle Paul says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Now, if I ask you, why should I work hard? What, what will be your response? so that you can build your own house, so that you can save up some money, so that you can, you know, send your kids to a good school, college, all of that, right? That will be the natural, I mean, so that you, so you have food on your table. Come on, talk to me. Why do most of us go to work? To eat, to pay the rent, to, you know, to save up and, you know, those who are not married, you are saving towards this 300 meals that you have to order on your wedding day. Those who are married, you are saving towards the delivery, you know, hospital expenses. Those who already have a child, you are saving towards that, you know, admission, you know, donation you have to pay in schools today. We all, you know, that's why we work. That's why we are constantly spending our time and effort. But Jesus said, you don't have to worry about all these things. Jesus said, look at the birds of the sky and the and the fish of the sea and the plants of the world they don't work in other words you don't need to work to live lavish happy life but why should you work you should work so that you're able to give what does it say it says I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need how by working hard this is why you should work hard so so that I can have more money to give to those that are in need I will never be in need I know that I will never be in need I have more than enough because I have Jesus but there are people out there who don't have the same revelation of Jesus there are people out there who don't have the same understanding about Jesus and for that sake I'm gonna work day and night I'm gonna work hard so that I have enough to give come on 
Am I right in saying this? This is what the Bible says. Okay, I'm going to bring you more verses to just explain to this more. The next part of this same verse, it says, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is... Come on, this one I want you to read out loud, okay? Because this is going to be a foundational principle for this entire series. Read it out loudly. For Jesus said, it is more blessed to give. It is more blessed to give than to. So in other words, when you boast about how God has given you a, a promotion and a blessing and all of that, that's not really a testimony as big as when you boast about how much God allowed you to bless somebody else. Come on, that is the real testimony. You come and tell me how much you're able to give away than how much you're able to receive. That is the real testimony because that is your real blessing. We think real blessing is when we get, you know, a lot of money. I'll tell you what real blessing is. Real money, real blessing is when you give away a lot of money. Come on, am I talking to you about what Jesus said? So it's very easy for us to define blessing by how, you know, I'm not taking a, you know, attack, or I'm not attacking anybody in particular, but you know how prosperity theologians define blessing? They define blessing as when money comes into your hands. When you give a certain amount and a certain amount comes back to you. Now that's going to happen. You like it or not. If you give, you will get back for sure. But according to Jesus, he said, this is a bigger blessing than this. He said, your giving is the real blessing, not your receiving. Your receiving is a blessing to the person who gave to you. Ouch. Somebody said, Lord, make me that man. I want to celebrate every time I get an opportunity to give. I don't want to, I don't want to work so that I, I get to eat, sleep. No, that's God's job. God will work so that I get to eat, sleep and enjoy my life. No, you know, I, I've, I've said this several times. I'm telling you, come on. You and I, we have to live like that. As children of God, we have to live that, that much dependent on God. We are not going to work so that our kids can go to good school. That is not my responsibility. That is my father's responsibility to take care of my kids. Come on. You agree with me? So often, the day that you get married, you feel like, man, I'm responsible to running this house. No. Will God use you to run the house? Absolutely. Will God use you to bless your children? Absolutely. But you are not responsible for them. God is responsible for them. Come on, you have to, you and I, we have to live our lives with that in mind. But there is a generation out there who don't have a revelation of how good our God is. And for them, you and I, we need to work hard so that we can give to those. So that because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And, and for these guys, we work hard day and night. And that has to be our attitude. The next verse, it is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. Come on, read it out loudly. If you are a thief, what is the first instruction if you are a thief? You should quit stealing. Who was a thief in this story of Ahab and Naboth? Who was a thief? Ahab and Jezebel were thieves. And, and God is giving an instruction and saying, if you are a thief, if you are stealing from people, then you should quit you should stop stealing from people the second thing he says instead go back go back instead you no, go forward okay instead use your hands for 
for good works so that you can have your own house so that you can take care of your own family come on so that you can buy your own car no why should you work hard use your hands to work hard why come on somebody asked why why should I work hard what does the Bible say so that you can give generously to those in need are you learning something today we don't work so that we can live happily we work so that others can receive generously from us that is why we work we don't work so that we can be taken care of we work so that we can be the ones taking care of others we can be the ones blessing others there are three levels of living you know you can live you know by stealing other people's money by depending on other people all the time by expecting other people to give you money and manipulating and coaxing to to get that you know sometimes we can get desperate in our need to you know get money from others you can live like that or second you can live you know working with your hands and just taking care of your need that's the second level but the third level is you can live don't care about your needs but you can live working hard with your hands so that you can give to others who have a need like you do like you did and now because God is taking care of you you now want to take care of others now you want to bless others now you want to give to others amen come on jump to the next verse the uh, the last verse for today are you ready to read this out this is Apostle Paul writing when he received gifts from uh, people what is he writing at this moment I have all that I need and more I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me who sent me this is the church called Philippi you know I'm going to talk about this in detail later but I'm just, I just wanted to pick up this particular verse an entire church received an offering and sent it to Apostle Paul and the Bible says he said because of these gifts I am generously supplied now these gifts they are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God man what Paul is saying is this is why you should give because your gifts are worship to God your gifts are a sweet smelling worship to God come on church are you ready I just want to read this out before we finish it says the attitude of your giving is more detrimental than the amount of your giving to make sure that your giving becomes worship it's not the amount of your giving that makes it worship it's the attitude behind that giving we spoke about how 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 we should receive we also spoke about how we should give and we spoke about how we should not give reluctantly or under pressure but you should decide with your heart how much you should not with your head not with your wallet but with your heart you should decide in your heart how much you should give and then the Bible says don't store up treasures here on earth but store up treasures in heaven why because when in your giving you're realigning the desires of your heart and then the Bible says you need to you know work hard you need to make sure that you're constantly working hard why so that you can take care of other people who are in need why should you take care of other people who are in need so that you know you receive the blessing of giving because it is more blessed to give than to receive 
then we read the bible verse in Ephesians 4 it says you have to quit stealing if you are living a lifestyle of stealing like Ahab was you need to quit that second you need to work hard with your hands day and night why not to take care of your needs but so that you can generously give to those other people who have a need then last but not the least we read about you know it in Philippians 4:15, 4:18. how our giving can become a sweet smelling sacrifice to God so this morning we're gonna give but not because you know we want to meet somebody's need we're gonna give because we want our giving to become a worship to God so that it becomes a sweet smelling sacrifice to God amen come on keep your hand in your heart and pray with me Lord let my heart be realigned let the desires of my heart be realigned. Let the goals and ambitions of my heart be realigned. Let the destination that I'm traveling to be realigned today, Lord. Let, let my saving and my storing up be realigned today. If I am stealing from others, Lord, let it be realigned today. Help me to stop that today in Jesus' name. Lord, if I am not working, Lord, give me a work that I can do, that I can work hard with my hands day and night. Not so that I can live happily ever after, but so that I can give generously. So that my giving can become a sweet-smelling sacrifice to you, Lord. Today, Lord, let this house smell beautiful not because of our perfumes or fragrances but because of our giving let this house smell beautiful to you let this house smell amazing to you daddy amazing to you let this house smell like heaven because you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son and we love you so much that we want to give everything that is that is that has been entrusted to us we want to give it as an offering as a worship to you not like ananias did but like zacchaeus did lord thank you holy spirit be glorified in our worship tonight be glorified in our praises today in jesus name we pray and everybody said an amen, amen. thank you for tuning in we believe that you are blessed by the word we would love for you to be a guest on any of the weekends on a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. or a Sunday morning service at 11 a.m. For more information, please visit our website dreamingrevival.com.